Now, if you have a Bible with you or you've got a smartphone with an app on there with a Bible, turn with me, get to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. We're going to be there in a moment. We started a new series of messages last week called Embrace, Embrace the Turtle. And the idea behind this series, uh, the inspiration for the title and for the graphic is the story of the tortoise and the hare, the turtle and the rabbit, right? Where you've got this race set up in Aesop's fable between a turtle that is slow and a rabbit that is fast. And the idea in the story, no, you know the story, right, is the turtle wins because he never stops. It's just continual. It's just ongoing. He just plods along, slow and steady wins the race. And what we talked about last week and what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks, which I encourage you, if you're here today and you weren't here last week, uh, all our messages are online. You can go to our website, fbsiglesville.com, and the tab there that says sermons will take you right there. Go back and listen to last week because it sets up what we're going to be doing over the next several weeks. And what we're going to do over the next several weeks is to ask the questions, what are those habits? What are those those regularly occurring things that we need to be doing? How should we be doing them in order to grow into the people God has called us to be? If you were here last week, you know this. We talked about two images that we can be in our society. And the first is what primarily is our society, especially in American culture. And that was a picture of a pinata. And the idea is that pinatas are exciting, they're bold, they're colorful, and you get a lot of fun, a lot of fun at parties, but inside they're hollow, and when they're stuffed, they're stuffed with just sugary stuff. And our society in some ways is a lot like that. We go from one sugary high to another, from one entertainment to another. It's pretty on the outside, but hollow inside. We talked about the fact that um, in our society, you have to be intentional not to end up being a pinata. But instead, we want to be an iceberg. And the idea behind that is that an iceberg is beautiful on top. It is a marvel to behold. But what is on top is only a small percentage of what is actually part of the iceberg. And that we want to be people that are deeper, that are more... Um, stable, that are grounded in what we are. And in order to become those people, we talked about the fact that we are not the dreams we have in life. We are not what we dream or our goals or our visions. We are what we do consistently. Now, the problem with the dreams and goals we have isn't always the dream or the goal. The problem is that we are what we are doing consistently. And in order to become the people that God wants us to be, we need to be consistently doing the things God calls us to do. And so um, we even talked about a quote from a guy that lived around the time of Jesus that said, there's nothing more powerful than habit. And so over these next few weeks, we're going to talk about developing those habits, how to get them into our lives, what habits we need to have in order to grow into, to become the people that God intends for us to be. And again, we're doing this for specific reasons, not just so we can mark things off, not just we can check things off and say, I've done that, or I'm a good Christian because I did those four things this week. We're doing it for three specific reasons. This is how we ended last week. We're doing this because we want to know Jesus better. That we want to place ourselves in the paths of God's grace where God is already moving, where God is doing things, where God is going to bless us, and we want to grow in godliness. Now here's the truth. If you're a follower of Jesus at all, those are three things that ought to be at the core of your being of what you want to do. You want to know Jesus better. You want to put yourself in position where you can see and understand and hear and be blessed by God. And we want to grow in our relationship with Him and how we live that out. But the problem is, most of us have habits already established in our lives that are not leading us in that direction. And there are some things in our lives that we need to get rid of. There are some things in our lives we need to quit. There are some sugary highs that we're chasing day after day, week after week, that just lead us from one satisfactory for a moment condition to another, never deeply satisfying, never allowing us to become the people that God called us to be. Science tells us that if you want to drop a habit, you can't just drop a habit on its own. You have to not just discard it, but you must displace it. That if you really want to change, if you want something new, if you want to get rid of something bad, you've got to put something else in its place or you'll just end up going back to what you were doing. So think about it this way, all right? How many of you here 
um, are those people that, like at 2.30, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, you get that snack desire rush. Like, okay, there are a couple of us here, right? So I, I get up early with my kids. We get them off to school. I usually eat breakfast right after they go to school, get ready, come into work. All right. In work and then, you know, doing pretty good, had a good breakfast, eat a decent lunch. And then about two thirty or three o'clock when I'm in work, I just think, you know, and I, I just need a little something like I just need a snack. Right now, I, I want to show you I'm going I'm to put it up. Yeah, we'll put it up in just a second. Some of you are going to judge me for this and that's OK. You're wrong, but that's OK. All right. I'm going to show you my preferred snack. OK, so it's two thirty, three o'clock. Tuesday afternoon, I'm in the office working hard in a big day of meetings and studying and getting ready for today and for Wednesday night and going over administrative stuff and having meetings with staff. And it's been a, a, just a full day, about 2.30 or 3 o'clock. I think I need something now. This is my go-to right here. Can I get an amen in the house of the Lord today? Right? Now, here's the thing y'all know, right? That if you if you drink a diet drink... It um, subtracts the calories from the candy that you eat with it, all right? Now, um, some of you are like, you're a diabetic. You can't have that. Mind your own business. No, no, I'm just <laughs> joking, all right? I, we, I compensate. I count carbs. I give insulin. I'm, all, I'm okay, all right? But this is my go-to snack right there, a Snickers. If I can't have a Snickers, you know, I'll settle for a, a Reese's cup or if I have to, a Kit Kat or Something like that, right? And so, Diet Dr. Pepper and Snickers is it. Now, tell me, like, if I decided one day, for some crazy reason, I don't want to do that anymore. Like, I don't need caffeine, like, in the afternoon, and need to get off sugar. I know I'm giving really good reasons to do this, but I'm going to convince myself they're not, all right? So, like, I don't need to do that in the afternoons. That's not what I need to do. If I'm going to get rid of this habit, I have to replace it with something else. And so they tell me, that what I ought to do is, instead of going and reaching for this, that before I leave in the morning of the house, I should pack myself a little baggie of some healthier snacks, like these two things right here. Like, those are not french fries, those are carrot sticks and almonds, right? Like, fruits and vegetables and nuts. And I mean, y- y'all are all so excited about this, I can see that, right? But the idea is, if I just say... I'm just going to give up Snickers and Diet Dr. Pepper. It ain't going to happen. I need to have something in its place. And granted, this is so far away from what the Snickers and the Diet Dr. Pepper are. This might not work. And part of my family has tree nut allergies, and so it could literally kill me. So we're not going to do that. But you get the idea, right? Now, here's what I also know, okay? If my diet consisted solely of Snickers and Diet Dr. Pepper... I would be completely unhealthy. Right? Like that's not going to give me what I need. And what I need is substance. I need stuff. I need good stuff. I need, um, I need meat. I need potatoes. I need, uh, I need vegetables. I need fruits. I need a variety of good foods to make up my diet. Which, by the way, I want to tell you, last week we had a great start to link together. Um, well over 100 people, like up to 120 people were there. P- kids from four months old all the way up to the college age. Unbelievable start. And I had a very proud moment in the middle of that of that whole time. Uh, we we start off, those of you that linked together, you know this. If you weren't, you can come join us tonight. We start off and eating dinner together, and we have questions to talk about as a family. And uh, the questions were asked about what do you want to be when you grow up? When you were a kid, what did you want to be? And so one of the questions was to ask the kids at the table, teenagers, elementary school, preschoolers, what is one thing you would never want to be? What's one job you would never want to have when you grow up? And my daughter Maddie said, a vegetarian. (laughs) Amen, amen, and amen. If you're a vegetarian, sorry about that. All right. Well, I don't know where I was now. Oh, you have to replace, you have to replace your bad habits with good ones. And so over the next few days, a few weeks, we're going to do that. We're going to talk about replacing bad habits with good ones. And today we're going to talk about the most significant and greatest displacement tool there is. 
Isaiah 40, chapter 8 says, The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God remains forever. The greatest displacement tool we have is the word of God, is Scripture. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God remains forever. You know, one of the things, I, I love spring, I love summer, I love all the stuff blooming, even though I've got allergies, think about the pretty flowers and the grass and all that coming back. And it's always a beautiful time, but I'm always reminded at this time of year that that doesn't last. Like if you look at the trees in my backyard, there are no leaves on it. If you look at the, some of the bushes on the front, the blooms aren't there. The flowers, the, the ones that come up every year, whatever those are called, perennials, annuals, whatever those are, right? Like, they're not there. The other day I was thinking about that. I, I mean, you can, um, we carpool with a guy, with Eli at middle school, and we, we pick up in the afternoon, they take in the morning, and um, I was bringing him home. And when you get to his house, it's back in our neighborhood, but it's right up against 65. And when you get to his house and you turn into his cul-de-sac and you kind of let drop him off, as I do that and come around to start going back down towards the street toward our house, I have this view of Goodlettsville that all the trees are gone now, like all the leaves are gone. And so you can see literally for like a couple of miles. And I love that view because right in the middle of that view is this church and it's always cool to me to look and to think even though the trees have withered and the flowers have faded now this church is not the word of god but we stand upon the word of god there is a symbol of standing on the word of god that is still there when we're thinking about in our lives what we need to replace one of the easiest and most effective things to do is to put scripture into our lives. Now listen, I don't know of a better way to describe the diet of entertainment and music and reading that a lot of us do than the fact that we make up our diet almost consistently and solely of Snickers and Dot Dr. Peppers. And we need to add some meat and potatoes in the midst of that. Romans 12.1, the scientists aren't the first one that came up with this. Romans 12.1 says that we are not to be conformed any longer to the thinking, to the mindset of this age. But the way that we're transformed, the way that we are different, the way we become something else is by the renewing of our minds. The greatest displacement tool that replaces all the lies in our culture gives us, all the lies that people say, all the things about our self-image and about our self-worth, is that we are people who trust and live and know the Word of God. And when you do that, it will make you stand out in a world that is very ordinary. It will make you an outstanding person in the midst of an ordinary world. We live literally in a culture that is continually looking for something that is barren and dry because it's feeding itself on the things that will not last. And if you are someone who, in the midst of that, will study Scripture, meditate on Scripture, memorize Scripture, read Scripture, you will stand out. If you want to be an outstanding parent, an outstanding employee, an outstanding spouse, an outstanding neighbor, then you study, you meditate, you think about the Word of God. Here's another picture from nature to kind of symbolize that. I love this picture. Because for the most part, this is a flat, barren land. And in the midst of it, these mesas rise up. And so you're looking out over the landscape and you see this flat, barren land. And right in the middle is something that is different and outstanding. It makes you think about, wow, look at that. And people that are tied into have the Word of God in their lives, are those. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk for a couple of minutes about what Scripture tells us we should do with Scripture. It's not me what I'm going to tell you we should do with Scripture. This is what Scripture says about Scripture and what we should do with Scripture. And then we're going to focus on two of those, including we're going to do a couple of those here and now in the sermon and then give you some, some tasks, one big one, and some things to think about over the next few weeks. We're going to get to Colossians 3 in just a moment, but before we get there, I want to talk about the first thing Scripture tells us to do with Scripture. And the first thing Scripture tells us to do with Scripture is to honor Scripture. 
It tells us that we are to honor it. When you come to read your Bible, when you open it up on your app, even though it is one among 40 apps on your phone, 50 apps on your phone, even though it's right next to the Kindle app on your phone, what you read in Scripture is not the same as the novel you're reading or the book you're reading for school or the textbook. Scripture is different than every other book that's out there. And we are to honor it in that way. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about the story of Nehemiah, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, where Nehemiah comes back to Jerusalem, and Jerusalem's walls are destroyed. And as the walls are destroyed, he gets the people together, they rebuild the walls, and they rebuild the walls. They're like, now what? And there's a guy there named Ezra who says, not only do we need to rebuild the walls, we need to rebuild the people. And the way we rebuild the people is to remind ourselves who we are according to God and what we're supposed to do. And so Ezra says, I've got the book of the law. We're going to read the book of the law to the people. And so in Nehemiah chapter 8, they gather around, and they're getting ready to read the book of the law and I love what it says here it says this in Nehemiah 8 5 through 6 Ezra opened the book in full view of all the people since he was elevated above everyone by the way just a little note okay the reason preachers today still stand on the elevated platform goes back and traces its history back to here all right and so Nehemiah gets Ezra he gets him up on the platform and he says as he opens it so so get the picture here right these people have been gathered they finally have a secure place in Jerusalem they come up Ezra stands above them and as he opens the book of the law everyone instinctively stands and there's some places some of you have been to places that guys will get up and say we're going to read the word of God and as we read the word of God I'm going to ask you to stand and honor that and we'll talk about why we don't do that in just a minute every time okay doesn't mean we don't honor the word. But the idea there is they were so excited about what was about to happen. What is God going to say to us? What is the word going to say to us? We've waited for this. And here's what I'll tell you. Part of the reason we aren't as excited about that is because we have too much access to it. I don't mean that like I want you to give away your Bibles. What I mean is we have no idea what it's like to live in a world where we can't get to a Bible. A moment ago when I said open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3 or on your phones, go to that passage. My guess is everyone in this room, and if it's not, please let me know. We'll make sure you have access. Everyone in this room, if you don't have a Bible with you, it's because you walked past the three in your living room. Or you couldn't remember where you stuck it last week before you got here. Or you're trying to get out the door and you couldn't find it and said, let's just go. And here's the thing. When you have it all the time, you don't. Think about it as deeply as you might. So the people stood up. And Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and with their hands uplifted. Obviously wasn't a Baptist church. All the people said, Amen! Amen! Again, obviously not. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. I want you to ask a question. What did he read? Has he read yet? No. Now, I've been to a lot of churches. I mentioned this a minute ago, and I think this is a fine thing and a good thing that when you read the Word of God, everybody stands up. I've never been to a church that when he says, let's begin to read the Word of God, they all stand up, raise their hands, give praise to God, and then fall on their faces on the ground ready to hear the Word. You see, there are two things that happen here. Not only do they stand in honor of the Word of God, but they kneel in submission to the Word of God. Now, we don't do that here because I think that in Scripture, as we look to the New Testament and the fulfillment of that in the Word of God, who is Jesus, that as we read the Word of God today, we may not stand physically, but in your heart, the attitude of your heart ought to be one that is standing in honor of the Word of God, that is kneeling in submission to it. Secondly, not only are we supposed to honor Scripture, but we kind of talk about this at the end of that. We ought to be under the authority of Scripture. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. I got so excited talking about the Bible, I turned away from my passage there. We're going to start actually in verse 14. The scripture is going to be 16, and we'll leave that up here because we're going to focus on it. But starting in chapter 3, verse 14, it says, Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity, and let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. Let the message about the Messiah dwell richly among you, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, and singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Verse 16 says that we are to let the message about the Messiah dwell richly among you. 
The original language there means not only is to be a part of our lives, but it is to move in and have full occupancy. It is to occupy with the intent of influencing the outcome of our home, of our lives, of our daily decisions, of our thoughts. The message paraphrase of this particular verse says that it's to have the run of the house. It's not just some visitor that's visiting for a little while, that the word of God is to come into our lives and it is to have control. And so if I have thoughts, if I have attitudes, if I have understandings, if I have decisions, if I have political leanings that are contrary to what the word of God teaches, then the word of God wins. If I'm doing things in my life that I really like to do, but when I look at it stacked up against the principles of the Word of God and the Word of God is contrary to that, the Word of God wins. You see, to honor it is not just to say, man, that's a cool book. To honor it is I am coming under authority of it and whatever it says, I will do. We're to come under the authority of it. Three more and then we're going to focus on two of them. Thirdly, we're to memorize the Word of God. Memorize it. This is the function of actually putting the Word of God into our lives. This is onboarding truth. And I'm not one of those guys that necessarily thinks that 30 years from now we're not going to have access to the Bible and the only Bible you're going to have is what's in your mind. But there are Christians all over this world that the only Bible access they have is to the Bible they have memorized in their minds. I just wonder... If that's all you had, how much would you have? Psalm 119.11, if you grew up in church, you've heard this verse. If you didn't grow up in church, you may have heard this verse. I have treasured your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've hidden your word in my heart. We're going to memorize scripture. We're going to talk about that more in just a minute. The second one is not only the function of memorizing the word, but the second thing is we need to meditate on scripture. Back to Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, when it says, Let the word of Christ dwell, let it dwell among you, let it dwell richly among you. The idea there is that you would think about it, that you would savor it, that you would th- always be have it in your mind, rotating over and over and over again, that you would feast on the word of God, that it would be a part of your life, but that you would think deeply about it. And then the last thing we're to do with the word of God, according to the word of God, is we are to pass the word of God on so right there in in colossians 3 verse 16 let the word of christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom teaching and admonishing teaching and admonishing the idea there is not that everybody here has to be a sunday school teacher or even has to be a disciple group leader but the idea is that when situations come into your life when you're talking to a friend when you're talking to a coworker, when you're talking to a fellow student when you're talking to family when you're talking to people out in public that when they have situations they're asking about when they're dealing with things the first filter you run it through is your understanding of scripture and as you do that you share with them scripture that is important to you and I'm not judging. I heard Jeff did with the activity a little earlier, and I don't mean this to make you feel guilty, but if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, a ser- you want to follow Christ with your life, and when Jeff says what is a verse that has meant a lot to you or a passage that has meant a lot to you in your life, the question in your mind shouldn't be, oh, can I think of one? The question in your mind should be, how do I narrow that down? And there are two ways to really get the Word of God into your life. We're going to focus on those for a minute. First of all, you get it by memorizing Scripture. The process of putting God's Word into my mind. And here's the thing I want you to know, because I know some of you, I say memorizing Scripture, you're like, I can't do that, Pastor. Like, I can't remember where my keys are in the morning. That's a different thing, all right? God has given you an amazing ability to memorize things. I was thinking about this the other day. I was driving. Um, I had my, had my uh, Bluetooth speaker in the car, had my phone hooked up to uh, a radio station called Gen X Radio. Okay, I am on the edge of Gen X right there at the edge, okay? And so I'm a Gen Xer, and it's a radio station that plays the hits from when I was growing up, okay? And so I was thinking about this because suddenly a song came on the radio that I probably had not heard in 10 to 15 years, and it was, it's a jam, all right? It is called Head to Toe by Lisa Lisa and Colt Jam. All right. Anybody know Head to Toe? How many of you know Head to Toe? I see you. All right. I appreciate you. All right. And so the music starts to play to Head to Toe. I know. All right. And so as soon as it starts to play in my mind, my mind is already doing the music. And when they start singing, you know what I'm doing? I'm jamming. That's right. I'm singing, right? 
And I'm in the car by myself, so I let it go. All right? I could sing that song to you as well, all right? And then I listened to Gen X Radio for like 15 to 20 minutes. So that's like six songs, because you know songs used to be like two and a half, three minutes, and that's it. And I knew every word to every song that was played on that station, some of which I had not heard in 15 years. You ever walk in the grocery and a song comes on you hadn't heard well? Like, here's the thing I've realized. Like, the stuff at the grocery is getting good. Like, the songs they play at the grocery store, man, that's some good stuff. And then I realized they're playing the oldies station. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's me. Good. Awesome. All right? Like, <laughs> man, this is my jam on the radio, on the Publix has got it going on. All right? I mean, start a song that you're like, and you go, how do I know this song? Like, it's just there. Right? Some of you know every Disney princess and the year their movie came out or where they originated from. Some of you can remember every Tennessee football game for the last 50 years. You can tell play by play. Well, I remember that Notre Dame. We were playing South Bend. And it was right before halftime. We were down. It was terrible. It looked like we were doing nothing. And they go to kick a field goal. And our guy blocks it with like his behind. And he picks it up. And he runs it back for a touchdown. And we come out and are just throwing bullets in the, the second half. And the last play was a screen pass to Aaron Hayden on the left side. And he runs through the events. And he gets, of course, a touchdown. And, you know, 1985 when they, Miami was supposed to kill us. Like, you can do that. I mean, Alabama fans can remember all their games for the last four years when they finally became an Alabama fan. It only stings because it's true, all right? It's amazing how many more Clemson fans there are in this part of the world. Some of you have useless knowledge in your head. You have things that we don't, nobody really know. You could go on Jeopardy, and if that category came up, you could run the table. We have an amazing ability to memorize. The question is, will we use it? Will we use it to put the habit of Scripture into our lives? Or are we going to let something else do it? i got a challenge for you. Because I truly believe that memorizing Scripture is one of the most neglected habits of the Christian faith. So here's my challenge, okay? They say that to get a new habit going, you have to do it consistently day after day for like 60 days. Some say 30, some say longer, some say, but they kind of the average is somewhere between 30 and 60. Now, here's the thing, okay? It's January 15th. Three months from tomorrow is Easter, okay? Three months from tomorrow is Easter, and Easter is late this year. I'm going to ask you, between now and then, I would love for us as a church, a family of believers, to commit to memorize a chapter of Scripture. That didn't get as many oohs and ahs and boos as the first service. They're like, no, we're not doing that. No. I'm asking all of you to memorize a chapter of Scripture between now and Easter. Now, here's the deal. A couple of ground rules. Number one, you cannot memorize one you already know. So some of you are like, oh, I got Psalm 23 down. I'll just do that one, all right? Secondly, you cannot do Psalm 117. It's two verses. You can't do that one, all right? Because some of you already in your mind are like, what's the shortest chapter in the Bible, all right? So you can't do that one. And I would recommend you not do Psalm 119 because it's 176 verses, all right? So I want you to find a chapter. You say, well, what chapter do you want me to memorize? That's up to you. And it really depends on what you want. If you want to learn more about Jesus and what he did, maybe you take a passage of his teachings in the Gospels or you take one of some of the stories in the Gospels. If you want comfort, maybe you pick a psalm that kind of speaks to who you are right now and you begin to learn that. If you want wisdom and clarity or maybe your favorite verse is a proverb and you say, you know what, I want to learn all the proverbs around that proverb. I'm going to memorize a chapter of Proverbs. Memorize a chapter of a story in First and Second Samuel or First and Second Kings about leadership and what that means. You want to talk about your identity and with God. Maybe you go to the, the Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, the GE Power Company right in the middle of the New Testament. If you want to know about the gospel, maybe you do Romans chapter 3 or Romans chapter 6. If you want to talk about influence, maybe you go to Daniel or to Esther. I'm not going to tell you which chapter to memorize, but my hope is that you will pick a chapter of Scripture and I'm giving you 90 days to do it. 
You're like, 90 days? You could give me 90 weeks. It's not going to matter. Yes, it will. You can do it. It's not that hard. Here's the thing that I've noticed over the last couple of weeks. All right, so January 1st, we started a new Bible study with my daughter uh, Maddie and I doing a devotional each night. And part of that every week is she has a Bible verse to memorize. She loves it. Like last night was the last ending of, of the second week. We started a third week today. And she said, Dad, we've got to make sure I know my memory verse before we go to a new one. And first week, she came up to me. She went to her mom and said, I said, tell her your verse. And she said, okay, mom, I can tell you. God created man in his own image. In his own image, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Genesis one twenty seven. And she could just do it. This week, it's Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. And she could, if I brought her up here, she would probably get nervous and not be able to do it. But if you got her off to the side and you started her sometime, she could do that by faith. Abraham, when asked by God, to go to a country he did not know, obeyed because of an inheritance that had been promised by God to him there. He obeyed even though he didn't know where he was going. Here's the cool thing about it. Do you know who has to help her memorize it? Me. That's my commitment to her. Daddy, you going to help me? Yes, I'm going to help you. And so guess what I do every week? I have an extra verse I'm memorizing every week with her. In fact, it's so easy. I want to show you that it's so easy. We're going to memorize something together, all right? So we're going to put up Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, up on the screen. All right, don't turn there because we're going to memorize it. And so in a minute, go to the one before that, 1-1. One, one. There we go, all right? So Ephesians 1, 1. And here's how I'm going to tell you to memorize a chapter of Scripture. Memorize one verse every day. One verse every day, okay? So we're going to memorize Ephesians 1, 1 together. Some of you are like, I think I'm going to be memorizing Ephesians 1, apparently, all right? Ephesians 1, 1. Say it with me as we do it. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, to the faithful saints in Christ Jesus at Ephesus. Again, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, to the faithful saints in Christ Jesus at Ephesus. Again, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, to the faithful saints in Christ Jesus at Ephesus. All right, just the first part, just the first half. Let's say it together. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will. All right, take it off the screen. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will. Look at that. You already memorized half a verse. All right. Let's put the next one, put it back up. All right. Let's do the second half. To the faithful saints in Christ Jesus at Ephesus. Again, to the faithful saints in Christ Jesus at Ephesus. One more time. To the faithful saints in Christ Jesus at Ephesus. All right, take it off. You ready? Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will. To the faithful saints in Christ Jesus at Ephesus. And look, if that's your verse, you got all day. One verse a day, and you just did it in about two minutes. Now, you don't have to do it through the rest of the day to kind of keep it up there, right? Run it off on a sheet of paper. Put it on something. Put it as the lock screen on your phone for that day. And just pick it up and say it over and over and over again. Now, here's the thing. When you do that, you're going to think about it. And nobody highlights the salutation in their Bible. Like, oh man, that verse rocked my world. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will to the faithful saints in Christ Jesus at Ephesus. But when you think about that verse, it's got a lot there. Paul was, Saul was the biggest persecutor of the church and Christ transformed his life. And now he calls himself an apostle. An apostle is a very specific term that means one who had seen the risen Christ and had been sent by the risen Christ for a particular mission. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. He is the one that persecuted Christ, is now the, the one that is advocating Christ by God's will. Not by chance, not by luck, not by some strange circumstances, but by the will of God. And to ask the question, what's God's will for me? What am I supposed to be? I too was Saul, and I have been rescued by that. I too am one who am a follower of Jesus Christ. By God's will, not by my choice. To the faithful saints. Saints. 
holy ones. Man, I know you. You know me. You know yourself. Holy is not the word I would use to describe myself. And yet Paul says because of what we are in Christ Jesus, holy, faithful saints in Christ Jesus, because of who we are in Christ Jesus, we are holy, we are set apart, we are different, we are special in Ephesus. That's where Paul was called. That's where Paul was writing. Where am I called? Who am I called to speak to? Here's the thing. As you memorize verse 1, day 2, you go back over verse 1, you memorize verse 2. Day 3, you memorize verse 3. And here's what's going to happen. By day 20, you may be fuzzy on 17, 18, and 19, but you're going to have verse 1, 2, and 3 down. You see, memorization is simply repetition. And I understand some are better than others at it. Some of you are like, I didn't even have it at the end of that. That's okay. You got a day. Write it out on a note card. Put it where you drive. Don't watch it the whole time. But when you're in Nashville traffic, read it. Get that chapter on an audio book. You can buy the Bible on audio by book or by chapter or whatever. Get it on there and just listen to it. Say it out loud. The most important thing you can do to memorize is say it out loud. And it's okay if your kids think you're nuts. Like if you're in the bathroom looking in the mirror, Paul. Like you're not Paul, Mom. That's not your name, all right? Memorize Scripture. You got till Easter. You know what I'm excited about? Because here's the thing. I'm not naive enough to think that 100% participation is going to happen. Okay? I got told after the first service I was asking people to memorize a scripture that had the same phone number for 50 years and still didn't know what it was. I said, well, learn scripture. And I don't, you don't need a phone number to learn scripture. But here's what will happen. I, and I know this will happen. That's why I'm excited about it. People in this room are going to memorize a chapter of scripture. And it's going to change their lives. Because the time it's going to take to do that, they're not going to be watching Diet Dr. Pepper and Snicker Bars Entertainment. They're not going to be reading Facebook feeds of news that just stirs them to anger. They're going to be focusing on who we are in Christ through Ephesians or Psalms or many other chapters. Second thing we need to do is not only memorize it, we need to meditate on it. Meditation is simply this. I hear the word meditation. Many of you immediately think of Eastern religion, people sitting uh, crisscross applesauce. That's probably not what they call it. Um, their hands out doing om, 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 emptying themselves of everything. But that's not what scriptural meditation is. Scripture meditation is deep thinking on the truths and spiritual realities revealed in Scripture for the purpose of understanding, application, and prayer. It is thinking deeply. It is filling your mind with the truths of Scripture. Joshua one eight, he tells him, he's about to enter into the promised land. He says, don't be afraid. Be strong and courageous. And the way he tells him he'll be courageous is that if you will meditate on my word day and night. Psalm 1. 1 through 2 says that we want to be trees planted by flowing streams of water. But to do that, we need to meditate on God's Word again and again. Psalm 119, I told you not to memorize it, but you can write down these verses. Psalm 119, 15, verse 23, verse 27, verse 78, verse 97, verse 99, all talk about the importance of meditating on God's Word. And here's the reason. We need to turn it over in our mind again and again and again and again because nothing in life that is worthwhile or that is good develops instantly it takes time and we need to feast on god's word when we meditate what we're doing is we're chewing on it we're thinking about it we're developing all those things i i, I know this probably in the first thing that you think about me but one of those um uh, diet dr pepper and snickers entertainment things in my life that i watch sometimes are cooking competition shows okay so chopped top chef Master Chef, Kids Master Chef, Great American Baking Show. Like, we watch that with, like, my daughters. We watch uh, Great American Baking Show. Really, they don't care to watch it, but I make the excuse I'm watching it with my daughters. All right. Um, but one of the things that always fascinates me about that is they'll take, like, a small bite. Like, they'll, they'll bring out, like, they've got to serve an entree. And they bring out this, like, fine dining. You know, it's like that. And you're like, that ain't nothing. And the judges will take a bite of it, and they'll spend, like, a minute describing what they're tasting. Well, you know, at the beginning, I had this kind of acid on the kind of the front of my tongue right here. And then as the heat developed on the back, and then I got that sour, and I, then I got some sweet. And they're describing this stuff. I'm like, it's, it's, it's a piece of bread. What are you talking about there, right? Like, 
Like, what do you mean? And they'll talk about the sauce over the top and how it was cooked and the temperature and the texture. And they'll give all this elaborate stuff. They are feasting on a small bit of food. One of my favorite things to do, one of my favorite places to eat is a Brazilian steakhouse. I love it because I love Brazil and I love the trips there. There's one downtown that we go to as a staff once a year um, and do lunch there because lunch is much cheaper than (laughs) supper. But we go to lunch. And what always happens is, they, if you've been to Brazilian Steakhouse, um, if you've not, you have really missed out on life, all right? But if you go to Brazilian Steakhouse, they give you this thing that's green on one side, red on the other, and as long as it's green facing up, they're bringing meat by. And cutting it off for you right there at the table. And the way they cook their meat is they cook it over an open flame, and they put it on a spit that just rotates. And they always bring the cheap stuff first, the sausages and the chicken and the chicken hearts and the bacon-wrapped pork loin, which in most places would sound great. But I know to go easy on the front end because later they're bringing out this stuff called picanha. And it is life-altering good. Okay, It's a round piece. It's fried. And what they do when they gross it over the spit, that fat gets charred. They serve it to you, usually medium rare. Now, they'll serve it if you like it more than that, but why would you? All right. And they put it there. And here's the thing. I know when I, like, when I know the date we're going to that restaurant, in my mind, I am already anticipating that moment when they cut that kind of steak and put it on my plate. And so when they put it on my plate, when I've been waiting for weeks for this particular piece of food, I do not immediately just grab it and throw it in my mouth and like I'm done now. Like I savor it. I think about it. I cut it into smaller pieces. When I put the bite into my mouth, I sit there and I let it settle for a minute. I savor every moment of that experience. And that's the way we're to treat the unbelievably delicious and good pieces of God's Word that we ingest. We meditate on it. Focus on it. Dwell on it. Think about it. Observe it. One of the things that fascinates me as a believer of Christ is I've been a believer of Christ now for over 30 years. I've read God's Word for longer than that. But I can sit in my office and I almost guarantee you this will happen this week. I'll be studying for this message next week for what I'm doing next week in the message. And I will read a passage of scripture I have read before, I've seen before, I've preached before. And that day, in that sin, thinking about it, meditating on it, God will speak something different to me out of that passage than he ever has before. And that comes through meditating. And here's the reason. is because his word... Is forever. The grass withers. The flowers fade. But the word of God. Remains. Forever. One last illustration and then we're done. I've got a picture. I'm not going to put it up now. I'll show it to you in a minute. But um, I saw a picture this week. And I've not seen this in person. Um, but I've read about it. It's at a museum in New York City. I've never been to New York City. It's one of those uh, bucket list things I want to do in my life. But um, one of the places I'd love to go if I get to New York City is the 9-11 memorial there. Um, there have not been a day kind of in my adult life that I think of as more traumatic than the day that uh, 9-11 happened. And tell you where I was and what is happening and what happened in the days after. Happened in 9-11, obviously, September the 11th, 2001. In 2002, while they're still cleaning up the rubble, it took them a long time to clean up the rubble, there was a fireman who found something in the wreckage that he thought needed to be preserved. And it was a unique kind of thing because it was where some metal had apparently gotten so hot that what was next to it became forged into the metal. We got a picture of this. This is from the museum where it's under the case. And so I know this looks like a rock, but it's actually metal that gets so hard it got chipped off and misshapen. And that is a Bible. That at the moment it got so hot that it forged that Bible, fused that Bible into the metal and preserved that Bible right there in the midst of the chaos. It's kind of interesting. It's open to the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preached. Greatest sermon ever preached. It's just a reminder to me, right? That in the day of the greatest destruction our nation has seen in a long, long time, the Bible still withstood that. Now, 
you know that scripture, when Scripture says the Word of God shall remain forever, it doesn't mean the actual physical copy of Bible on your paper you have. What it means is the Word that God has spoken to us, but it's an unbelievable reminder. And it reminds me that when my life gets chaotic and turmoil happens, that I want a life so forged and fused to the unchanging truth of God's Word that I would be unchanging in the midst of it. And that only happens through replacing some Diet Dr. Pepper and Snickers bars with the Word of God. Let's pray together.